Welcome to the Verse by Verse podcast, a ministry of the Friendship Congregational Bible Church. I'm Richard Church, the teacher on Verse by Verse, and I'm glad you've joined with us today as we study together God's infallible word, verse by verse. You can turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5. Last time we looked at the beginning of verse 18. Ephesians 5 verse 18 says, Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. And here again you see the same pattern that you've seen throughout this this passage of Ephesians where Paul gives this uh, practical instruction in that he says, Stop doing this thing that's associated with the world and instead... Do something else, right? Do something that's associated with who you are in Christ. And so what we looked at last week was uh, that the first part of the verse, be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but the thing that Paul gives as the replacement for that is to be filled with the Spirit. And, you know, uh, a lot of, a lot of uh, people today talk about being filled with the Spirit, but there isn't uh, a whole lot, I mean, when you, when you look at different preaching about being filled with the Spirit, uh, they don't do a lot of going to the Scriptures about what it really is to be filled with the Spirit. And so what some people do is they take this verse and they read this verse, instead of be not drunk with wine but be filled with the Spirit, they read it as be not drunk with wine but be drunk with the Spirit. And there are people that, that teach that a manifestation of the Spirit is that it's like you're, like you're drunk. I remember uh, um, one time I, was, I, I volunteered to help with an evangelistic ministry in Daytona Beach, Florida. When I lived there, And there was a group that would come in and they would put on a, a series of Christian concerts. And, of course, people would come in off the street and off, off the uh, boardwalk and off the beach. And they would share the gospel with them. And um, uh, the, unfortunately, a lot of times the, the gospel they would share was not a very clear gospel. But uh, many of the people that were involved in that were, you know, they, they had a very charismatic view, a very Pentecostal view about the, the filling with the Spirit. And I remember one lady telling about how uh, she and a, a bunch of teenage girls had been praying together, and all of a sudden they were just overcome with laughter, and that was a, a move of the Spirit. She said they were drunk with the Spirit. Well, that most likely was not a move of the Spirit. Most likely what it was is what happens when you get a bunch of teenage girls together, right? I mean, that's, that's what it was. And, and people take these things and they refer to it as being filled with the Spirit. There are, there are some preachers that you can see on TV, there's one that calls himself the Holy Ghost bartender because he says that he has this power to confer the Holy Ghost on people and that they become drunk with it. He calls himself the Holy Ghost bartender. And there's another one, apparently that that title wasn't strong enough. He calls himself the Holy Ghost pusher as if, you know, he's like, you know, the Spirit is like a drug that you get. That, that you know makes you feel good, and, and he's the pusher that provides that drug. And this, this kind of thing you don't find anything about in Scripture. In fact, what's, what's associated with 
the filling with the Holy Ghost is not a, a drunkenness, not losing control of your faculties. And again, you can, you can turn on the television, you can see people, you know, they, they call it a move of the Spirit and they fall on the ground or whatever, you know, they're just, they, all of a sudden they have this feeling they should run around the, the auditorium and they do that or they, you know, Again, just things that you would associate with people being drunk. Uh, but what you find in the Bible is that a filling with the Holy Spirit is not, it doesn't manifest itself like drunkenness. It manifests itself in the, the, what the Bible calls sobriety. All right, go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Now, when we talk about sobriety in the biblical sense, uh, sobriety doesn't mean you just go around all serious all the time and never crack a smile and never tell a joke. But just, just notice here, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 5 says, Ye are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night. They that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for an helmet, the hope of salvation. Now when the Bible talks about being sober, it is talking about being in, if you look up the word, it means to be in your right mind. Okay? And what it's really talking about for the believer is much more than just not being high on drugs or not being drunk with alcohol. It means that you make decisions and you think about things according to God's word. That's the kind of sobriety that the Bible talks about. And there are people who have never touched a drop of alcohol, and yet they're not sober in the way the Bible talks about. They're just going around in their, in their worldly thinking, and that, that's not what the Bible's describing as sobriety. When the Bible talks about being sober, it's talking about making decisions based on the Word of God. It's talking about evaluating things, evaluating circumstances, looking at the world through a worldview of biblical truth. That's sobriety. All right? Let's, let's look at a couple other verses. Go over to Titus chapter 2. The, you know, the, the grace of God is not, it doesn't teach us to, to just, you know, act as if we're drunken. And that certainly is not a move of the Holy Spirit of God. Rather, Titus chapter 2, verse 11 says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live, how? Soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Um, and, and I would warn you that just because somebody talks about the Holy Spirit and just because they talk about Jesus Christ does not mean that they are telling you truth from God's Word. Uh, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And notice that the Apostle Paul warned the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 11. In verse 3... He says, But I fear, lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. If he that cometh preacheth another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if ye receive another spirit which ye have not received, or another gospel which ye have not accepted, ye might well bear with him. 
You know, there's a lot of people who talk about Jesus, but when they talk about who Jesus is, it's not the Jesus of the Bible. There's a lot of people who talk about the Holy Spirit, and yet what they say about the Holy Spirit, they're not describing the Holy Spirit you, you find in God's Word. And there are a lot of people who talk about the Gospel that aren't really preaching, they're preaching another Gospel. And Paul warned them, he was afraid that these uh, Corinthians, in their immaturity, would be taken in by that kind of thing. And, and he's worried that if somebody came along preaching these things because they're using the right words, that the Corinthians, rather than rebuking that false teacher, would bear with him. And that's what many Christians are doing today. In fact, if, if you wanted to find you know, one of these biblical churches that really would characterize the, the church today, it would probably be the Corinthian church. Uh, and, and so many of the things that the Corinthian church uh, were, were having problems with, these are the things that the, the church today is having problems with. And likewise, they often are taken in by people who talk about Jesus and hold a Bible in their hand and read some Bible verses, but they're not teaching truth. They're turning the truth into a lie. And especially when it comes to the person and work of the Holy Spirit, you, you see this very often. And so you have to use a great deal of discernment. Um, you know, if, if you see somebody that talks about being filled with the Spirit, and they think that means not a spirit of sobriety, where you would judge things according to God's Word, but just a, a spirit of foolishness, where you talk in, in gibberish and fall down on the ground and lose control of your faculties, and all those kinds of things, uh, when you see that on television, turn it off. When you, when you hear people preaching those kinds of things, they're not preaching the truth of God's Word. And, and also, when they teach those things, you better check your wallet and check your checkbook, make sure that nothing's missing, because that's what they do. See, they try and give people this spiritual uh, experience that'll get them to open up their, their wallet. And I'll tell you that many of them, I'm sure some of, some of those preachers are sincere and, and really believe those things. But I'll tell you that many of them know that what they're preaching is false. Many of them know that it's just, it's just tricks and gimmicks to get people to experience these things. And they do it anyway because it makes a good living for them. It's like Paul says, their God is their belly. All right? And, and so be careful about that kind of thing. So what does the Bible teach? What does the Bible teach about being filled with the Spirit? You know that being filled with the Spirit is not just a New Testament thing. Do you know that there were people in the Old Testament that were filled with the Spirit of God? Uh, turn to Exodus chapter 31. We'll look at some examples. You don't, the, the, uh, in a little bit we'll look at how there's a difference between being indwelt with the Spirit and being filled with the Spirit. But Exodus 31, verse 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, See, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom and in understanding and in knowledge and in all manner of workmanship, to devise cunning works, to work in gold and in silver and in brass and cutting of stones to set them in carving of timber to work in all manner of workmanship. Now, 
here was a man that was filled with the Spirit of God. Now this is as Israel came out of Egypt. And remember that when they came out of Egypt, the Lord told them that they should go to their neighbors and they should borrow whatever, whatever they would lend to them. And if you remember the whole story, God had, had killed the firstborn in every household in Egypt. And at that point, the Egyptians just wanted to get rid of the Israelites, whatever it took. And so when the Israelites came and asked them to borrow things, they, they gave them everything. And they said, just go, just leave. And so Israel came out of Egypt, even though they were, they were slaves in Egypt, they were servants in Egypt, they came out of Egypt with a great amount of wealth. They came out with gemstones, they came out with gold and silver and all of these things. Now, if you remember what the, what the Israelites did as slaves in Egypt, they made bricks out of mud. That's what they did. They didn't, they didn't know how to do anything with all these jewels and, and different things. And so, as God calls them to build a tabernacle, and, and you know, one of the greatest studies in symbols in your Bible is to study that tabernacle. Every detail has significance. But God wanted things built in a certain way. Well, these, these people are not workmen in, the, in those kinds of materials. And so God takes Bezalel and he puts, he says he fills him with his spirit. In this case, it was so he would know how to oversee all this work. And Bezalel was not a, you know, he didn't specialize in just one thing. You see, God was going to give him the wisdom to be able to, to oversee all of it. And there were other people, if you keep reading this passage and others, there were other people that God put a spirit of wisdom into so that they would know how to do specific things, so that they could build the tabernacle exactly according to the pattern that God would give. And you see, it says clearly that he was filled with the spirit of God, right? So so being filled with the spirit is not just a a New Testament thing. Um, you can go, uh, I mean, go, go to the New Testament, go to the Gospel of Luke. Now, here we're in the New Testament, but we're still before the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. We're still before the, the giving of the Holy Spirit at, on the day of Pentecost. And yet here in Luke 4, or Luke 1, rather, Luke 1, um, we're going to see people filled with the Holy Ghost, filled with the Spirit of God. Luke chapter 1 um, in fact, here it's going to talk about John the Baptist, and John the Baptist is a unique individual. Luke chapter 1, verse 15, as, as the Lord is, is uh, or rather the angel here, is telling Zacharias about this son that he's going to have, it says in verse 15, For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. By the way, you notice there, he's not to drink wine or strong drink, but he's going to be filled with the Holy Ghost. That goes along well with the verse we're looking at in Ephesians. Uh, John the Baptist was filled with the Holy Ghost from his mother's womb. And in fact, John the Baptist, um, you, in fact, we come down later in the passage here, come down to uh, uh, verse, verse 41. When, when Mary, who has, is uh, pregnant with the Lord Jesus Christ, or has received word at least, that, um, 
that she's going to bear the Messiah, she comes to visit her cousin Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist. And verse 41, it says, When it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe, which would be John, leaped in her womb. Now, here... John the Baptist, even in his mother's womb, has an awareness. You know, babies can hear in the womb, but, but a regular child doesn't understand what they hear. They don't understand language yet. And yet John the Baptist is able there, even in the womb, to, to uh, recognize the importance of what, of what uh, was going on with Mary so that he leaps in the womb. And that's because John the Baptist was filled with the Holy Ghost in a way nobody else was filled with the Holy Ghost, which was, even in the womb, he was filled with the Holy Ghost. Uh, You know, if he had that kind of understanding even before he was born, I mean, imagine John the Baptist had to be a pretty strange child growing up. And, of course, he grew up to be a strange man uh, out in the wilderness dressed in in camel's hair and and, uh, eating locusts and wild honey, right? But he was set apart, and he was filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, you see the end of verse 41, it says, And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. And in verse 42, she spake out with a loud voice and said, Blessed art thou among women, blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And whence is this to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For lo, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in mine ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. And blessed is she that believed For there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. And so Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Ghost. And she speaks not just out of her own wisdom and her own thoughts. But she really speaks, uh, I mean what she's she's saying there is inspired of the Holy Ghost. Now if you remember the story of of John the Baptist when when Zacharias was told about his coming birth... um, uh, Zacharias was struck dumb, and he couldn't speak again until after John was born. And here in this same chapter, come down to verse 67, when Zacharias uh, again again uh, receives the ability to speak, it says his father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Ghost. And prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people. And he goes on to to, uh, make a statement there, not just about John, but also about the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And he says it by the Holy Ghost. And all of this is before the day of Pentecost ever came. right? And these people are filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, what the filling with the Holy Ghost... Uh, what it what it means, the word that's used for filled means to be filled up to the top. So much as if you were to, to, to fill a cup with water, so much that you couldn't put any more in. Right? That's, that's what it means. Look, let's look at the filling on the day of Pentecost. Go to Acts chapter 2. Now we're going past the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Now we're coming here to the, the day of Pentecost, which was the fulfillment of of the prophecy that God had given to Joel, where he was going to pour out of his spirit. And in Acts 2, it also is going to tell us that they were filled with the Holy Ghost. 
Acts 2 verse 1, it says, When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven, as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with other tongues, as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, by the way, this is one of those passages that, that uh, these people that want to teach about being drunk with the Holy Spirit, they'll go to this because later uh, the, the uh, people who experience this, the unbelievers who see this, um, they, in verse 13 of Acts 2, it says, others mocking said these men are full of new wine, saying that they were they were drunk. And so when Peter begins to speak in verse 15, he says, these are not drunken as ye suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. Now, what, what, you know, these people who want to twist what the filling with the Spirit is, they'll say, you see, the filling of the Spirit for Peter in the twelve manifested itself in such a way that the people watching thought they were drunk. But understand, the reason the people watching thought they were drunk was because Peter and the twelve were all of a sudden given this power to speak in other languages. And there were Jews there who spoke all kinds of different languages. It lists them in verses 9 and 10 and 11. Uh, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, uh, Libya, you know, all these different places. And so Peter and the twelve go out, and now they're able to speak in all these different languages. Well, they realize that these people are Galileans, that they don't know these languages. And so when they hear him speak in these different languages, they think they're just speaking gibberish. They must be, they must be so drunk they can't even talk straight. Right? That's why they think they're drunk. And, and the problem is not, you know, it's not that Peter and the twelve are acting like they're drunk. It's that these, these people standing by don't understand the things that they're saying. Okay, so to use that passage in that way isn't really, it doesn't really represent what the, what the passage says. But you see that they're all filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, there's a difference between being filled with the Holy Ghost and being indwelt with the, with the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit. Uh, get, get two passages, get 1 Corinthians 3 and also 2 Timothy chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and 2 Timothy chapter 1. If you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you have trusted in his death, burial, and resurrection for your salvation, if you're not trusting in your religion, your works, and those kinds of things to save you, but you've trusted Christ, you are indwelt by the very Spirit of God. You see it here in 1 Corinthians 3. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 16 says, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. You see, he's writing here to these believers at Corinth, and here he's, he's using this as a motivation for them to serve God. Is He's saying, you're the temple of God. God dwells in you, and it's the Spirit of God. That dwells in you. I mean, really, if you if you go throughout the scripture, you'll see you're not only indwelt by the Spirit, you're indwelt by Christ Himself, you're indwelt by God the Father as well. 
But if you're a believer in Christ, you are indwelt with the Spirit. 2 Timothy chapter 1, look at verse 13. It says, Hold fast the form of sound words, which thou hast heard of me in faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. This is Paul writing to Timothy. That good thing which was committed unto thee, keep by the Holy Ghost which dwelleth in us. And it is true of all believers that the Holy Spirit dwells in you, in the believer. Now, that may not be something you feel. It may not be something, you know, often a lot of churches put this emphasis when it comes to the Spirit on feeling. But the Holy Spirit dwelling in you, you may not feel like the Holy Spirit dwells in you. And the reason Paul had to remind the Corinthians that the Holy Spirit dwelt in them was because by their actions, they were showing they weren't really thinking about that much. They weren't really thinking much about, about the Spirit dwelling in them. And Paul reminds them, he says, don't you know, know ye not that you're the temple of God, that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? And this is, this is something, you know, in the Old Testament, they were not indwelt with the Holy Spirit. The Bible talks about the Spirit coming upon them. Uh, there are a few verses that talk about the Spirit being in them. And you see the, the uh, verse that talked about Bezalel being filled with the Spirit. But understand that in the Old Testament, the Spirit was something that came and went. David in the Psalms praised to God that he would not take his Holy Spirit from him. You remember how King Saul, uh, the Spirit... The Spirit was with King Saul for a while. He prophesied even, even before he was king. As king, the Spirit was with him, but the Spirit of God departed from him. And they had no, no promise that the Spirit would eternally abide with them or, or would you know, stay with them and dwell in them. Yet we see they could be filled with the Spirit, but they weren't indwelt by the Spirit. Now, Today in the dispensation of grace, every believer is indwelt with the Spirit. That doesn't mean you're filled with the Spirit. If every believer was automatically filled with the Spirit, the Apostle Paul wouldn't have to say, be filled with the Spirit. He wouldn't have to tell you that if it was automatic, right? And there's a difference between the way you and I are filled with the Spirit and all of these examples that we looked at from the Old Testament and from Luke and from uh, uh, even the day of Pentecost. When, when God called Bezalel the son of Uri, and he put in him the spirit of, of wisdom and filled him with his spirit to be able to do all those things, is there any indication there that Bezalel had any choice in the matter? Not really. God says, I, I chose him. I put my spirit in him. It doesn't say that Bezalel, you know... Uh, in any way had to, had to be filled with the Spirit. It just happened, right? When John the Baptist, certainly, as a babe in his mother's womb, he didn't have to make any kind of choice or take any kind of action to be filled with the Spirit. God just did it. And, and those examples of Elizabeth and, and uh, Zacharias, you see, they just, when it says they were filled with the Spirit, they just were... were Overcome And really, being filled with the Spirit is to be completely controlled by the Spirit of God, where you're not controlled by yourself, your own, your own 
spirit, your own ambitions, but to be in complete subjection to the Spirit of God and, and be filled. And on the day of Pentecost, Peter and the Twelve, um, that, that spirit that, that uh, filled them on that day, that Holy Spirit of God that filled them, that allowed them to speak in those languages, they didn't, they didn't know what was going on. They didn't seek to be filled with the Spirit. It just happened. And all of a sudden, they're speaking in these other languages, and, and it, just, it just happened. And you don't see any command. In the Old Testament, God doesn't command them to be filled with the Spirit. You don't see um, with Peter and the Twelve there where God tells them to be filled with the Spirit. And yet, here in our text, it tells us, be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. And, and in the same way that being filled with wine and being drunk with wine is something you have to, you have to you know, go out and seek and you've got to take some action in order to have that happen, being filled with the Spirit in the dispensation of grace is not just some automatic thing that happens to you. It's not something where you're walking down the street one day and all of a sudden you're filled with the Spirit and and you're going to speak words of prophecy like Elizabeth and Zacharias did, but rather there's there's a very definite thing that has to take place for you to be filled with the Spirit in the dispensation of grace. Hi, I'm Richard Church, the teacher here on Verse by Verse. I'm glad you've listened to our podcast today, and I would like to let you know that if you have any questions about anything you've heard here, you can contact me by email at richard at richardchurch.com or by telephone 608-339-9522. I also encourage you to check out our church website at www.friendshipbiblechurch.com. Thank you for joining us today, and our prayer is that this program would be a blessing to you in helping you to grow in your understanding of God's grace.